السلام عليك زين الأنبياء السلام عليك الحمد لله رب العالمين اللهم صل وسلم على سيدنا محمد مفتاح باب رحمة الله عدد ما في علم الله صلاة وسلام دائمين بدوام ملك الله وعلى آله وصحبه ومن والاه أشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له إلها واحدا وربا شاهدا ونحن له مسلمون وأشهد أن سيدنا وحبيبنا وقرة أعيننا محمدا عبده ورسوله أرسله الله بالهدى ودين الحق ليظهره على الدين كله ولو كره الكافرون ولو كره المشركون أما بعد فيا عباد الله إني أصيكم ونفسي بتقوى الله فتقوى الله ملاك الحسنات كله ولا يتقبر الله إلا من المتقين الحمد لله On this blessed day of Jum'ah which the Prophet said is the Sayyid al-Ayyam is the, the greatest of the days of the week that we gather here to be able to take reminder from our beautiful religion and to implement it into our lives and that we come to, to take from the Prophet وسلم, and from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that which they want from us, that which will lead to our success in this life, that which is for our, our own benefit, our inward benefits and our outward benefits in this life and in the grave and on the day of judgment and inshallah leading us then to paradise for eternity in which we will see the countenance of our creator, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We've been discussing in the previous uh, khutbah the previous sermons about this quality of ihsan, this quality of being spiritually excellent, a quality in which right, the word hasan, beauty, is involved in this word. It's to make beautiful. It is to make the soul, the state, the heart, in which, which is the, the place of the gaze of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it is to make that heart beautiful. So that when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sees our hearts, that he is pleased with us as as we are his servants, uh, we are the servants of our creator, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Many of us, we spend a lot of times, a lot of time of our day beautifying our outward, beautifying our face, beautifying our hair, beautifying our, our physical features, which is the place upon which the creation looks. But few is it is the time that we spend in beautification of that which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gazes at. As the Prophet said, Indeed, Allah does not look at your forms nor your appearances. Rather, He looks at your hearts and your actions and your deeds. And in one narration, He looks at your hearts and your intentions. And amongst the qualities of this of ihsan, of spiritual excellence that we've been going through in these verses, is is their quality of repentance after committing a sin. And it's interesting if we really reflect on this point because these verses that we've been reading where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَسَارِعُوا إِلَى مَغْفِرَةٍ مِّن رَبِّكُمْ That hasten toward mercy from your Lord. وَجَنَّةٍ أَرْضُهَا السَّمَاوَاتُ وَالْأَرْضُ And a paradise which the, the breadth of which is the width of the heavens and the earth that is prepared for the people of taqwa. And then Allah describes the people of taqwa as those who spend in times of ease and times of difficulty. And those who swallow their anger and they forgive people. 
Right? And Allah closes that, that verse by saying, And Allah loves the people of Ihsan, the people of spiritual excellence, the people of beauty. And then Allah describes those people in one additional verse, and He says, uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, after he says, well, and Allah loves the good doers, the people of Ihsan, he says, those, that's when they commit a shameful act or they wrong themselves, they remember Allah and they seek forgiveness for their sins. And who can forgive sins except Allah? And they do not persist in that which they, they've done knowingly. So in the description of the people of taqwa, and in the description of the people of spiritual excellence, Allah talks about people who sinned. Allahu Akbar. Right? And this is a clear indication that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala did not create us to be perfect. Allah did not create us to be infallible. Allah did not create us to be uh, like the angels. Because the angels, they, they do not disobey Allah in anything that they are commanded to do. But the humans are prone to error. The humans, we have our base animal desires that we have to fight sometimes. We have uh, the adornments of the worldly material life that we have to kind of refrain from allowing to distract us from our existential purpose, our purpose in this life. We have a lot of obstacles. We are so therefore, we are prone to make mistakes. And the Prophet وسلم, he said, and this is narrated by Imam Tirmidhi, he said that, Kullu bani Adam that All of the children of Adam are prone to sin. And the best of those who, are sin, who sin are those who repent to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, those who turn back to God, those who they dust themselves off after they fell, and they get back up and they try again. And they strive and they keep, continue to strive to please Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So Allah describes some of his most elect servants, the people of Ihsan, the people of spiritual excellence. He describes them with what quality? That when they fall short, when they sin, when they do a shameful act, when they wrong themselves. And this is how sin is described in the Quran. It's a wronging of your own self. Because we have to reflect that sin does not wrong Allah. It doesn't harm Allah. It doesn't cause Allah any deficiency because God is perfect in every way and He does not need us in any way. But it is us that is hurt by our sins. It is our hearts, our tranquility, our peace, our serenity that we're giving up, that we're losing every time we do this. We commit something that we know is wrong right? and it harms our, us in our worldly lives. It harms us in our, in, in our, after our death and in it will, uh, it will put in jeopardy our states on the day of judgment as well. Right? But those who fall short, not if, but when they fall short, they turn back to Allah in repentance that they are of the most beloved people to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Right? So this is part of the human condition. And the Prophet sallallahu said in a really beautiful hadith narrated by Imam Ahmad, uh, he says, that if you were not to sin, if you had been, oh human beings, if you had been completely perfect, infallible, you never made a mistake, then Allah would replace you with someone else who will make mistakes so that they can turn to Him in forgiveness and that He can forgive them. Right? So we see in, in our lives, we see manifestations of Allah's majestic qualities, His power, 
his, his qudra, his, his overpowering uh, perfection. We see it in, in creation, but we also see manifestations of his mercy. Right? And one of the ways that his mercy is manifested is that when we do sins, we are forgiven. That we turn to Allah and Allah forgives us. And the sign that your forgiveness is accepted is that your life changes. That the eyes begin to flow with tears and, right, and a person turns their direction in their, in their life. Right, so as Allah, right, Allah is part of Allah's plan in creation is to create people who will fail, who they will fall short, they will make mistakes, right, and they will find in those mistakes another path to God, another means of coming close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, which is tawbah, re repentance to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, because the word tawbah means ar-ruju'a, it means to come back, to turn around, to go back to God. Right, so what exactly is this word tawbah? We want to just look at some of the definitions. Uh, some, uh, some definitions are simple, just repentance is the translation. But really, what does repentance mean? And Imam al-Ghazali, one of the great scholars uh, uh, of Islam, he defined it as an amalgamation of three things, a combination of three things. Right? And these three things are sequential. One leads to the next, that leads to the next. The first is knowledge. Right? The first thing uh, that makes up repentance is knowledge. And knowledge of what? Knowledge of the consequences of sin. What does it mean when you sin? What, what happens when you sin? Essentially, right, uh, knowing that by us disobeying Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala intentionally, right, by us... Right, indulging our, our, our illicit desires and doing things that we know that we shouldn't, right? Saying that, that statement about somebody behind their back that we knew we shouldn't, but we fell into it anyway. We did it anyway, right? What does that do right, with regards to our relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? It becomes a, a veil between us and Allah. It becomes a veil between us and God. It cuts us off from receiving the great blessings and the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala it becomes, as the Prophet said, right? that if a person sins, if a believer sins, then there's a dark, a dark spot that takes over their hearts. That dark spot takes over their hearts. Right? And then he says, if, but if they, if they repent and they desist from that sin and they turn back to God, that the, the darkness is removed from the heart and replaced with light. But if they continue down the path of sin, that bound the path of following the ego and following the desires of the body, right, in a sinful way, then it can create, and those darkness increases and increases and increasing, until it overpowers the heart entirely. And the Prophet said that this is the rust that Allah mentions in the Quran when He says, that indeed, that which they have wrought, that which their hands have committed of sins has sealed over their hearts in rust. It has sealed over their hearts in rust. And the idea of the, me the metaphor of the heart being the mirror is very important because the mirror reflects the light and the beauty of the heavens above it. Like if you look at a, a, a very still lake, you can see in the lake clear as day the beauty of the heavens above it that it's reflecting. Right? But if that mirror is dirty, if that mirror is occluded, if that mirror is smudged, if that water is, uh, has ripples in it because it's moving, right, you will not be, be able to see anything. 
the, the job of the heart, the purpose that the heart, the spiritual heart was created for, which is to know God, right, begins severed from that, is severed from fulfilling its purpose because of that sin. And that's the, the enormity of what it means to disobey Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and it doesn't harm Allah, it harms us, right? So that knowledge should bring about a state. Once someone really knows that with absolute certainty, that that sin just cost me my relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, at least for that moment, right? What does that do? That, sit, that state of regret begins to um, build up in one's heart. And regret is defined as a pain, right? The pain experienced when you lose out on something you desired. The pain that you experience when you lose out on something that you desire. You desire to be close to your Lord. You desire to know Allah. You desire to come close to your Creator, subhanahu wa ta'ala, Right? But you've lost out on that because of that sin. That you've put that in jeopardy because of that sin. So that pain that you feel is called regret. It's called remorse. And that remorse, if it is true, if it is strong, if it is sincere, if it is with conviction, it will lead you to act accordingly. And what will those actions entail? One, desisting in that sin immediately. Dropping it. Dropping that thing which is causing you to turn away, to be distanced from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, dropping that thing which is, is now an obstacle in your life from coming closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then, right, that's in regards to the present. In regards to the past, right, we have to rectify the situation. Right? We have to go back and make up those prayers if it was prayers that we missed. We have to go back and give those people their money, the money that we stole. We have to go back and ask people for forgiveness if we had uh, wronged or violated their honor that Allah has given them by backbiting them or talking bad about them and slandering them. Right? We have to rectify the situation. And then in regards to the future, we resolve deeply in our hearts to never do that again. Never allow our desires to stop us or to overcome us and to draw us into the disobedience of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, thus severing our relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for that moment. And this is why the Prophet ﷺ, he said, tawbah that repentance is remorse itself. Repentance is remorse itself because that remorse leads to those, that action. That, remor that remorse is the fruits of that knowledge and the certainty of the dangers of those sins. Now, interesting enough, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the Prophet mentioned many, many, many hadith, uh, uh, virtues of, the, of repentance. Right? And uh, one of the great scholars who was known as the Khatibul Ahl Tasawwuf, he was known as the, uh, the spokesman of the people of the spiritual path, Ibn Ata'ilah Sikandari. He says that maybe it is possible that Allah opens for you a, a door of obedience. He facilitates for you to obey him, but he has not facilitated for you for your actions to be accepted. But the second part, he says, it is possible that Allah has decreed that you would fall into a sin. It is possible that Allah has decreed that you will fall into a sin, and then that sin is the means of you drawing nearer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now some of the scholars, they gave him some plaque on this. Like, How could you say that a sin is a means of drawing to Allah? But look at what he meant. He meant that because of that sin, Right? The person is now humbled. Right? They are broken inside. Why did I do that? They are turning to themselves instead of looking at the faults of others. They're looking at their own faults. 
They are crying to Allah in the nights, asking Allah to forgive them. So before the sin happened, they were in a state of arrogance, a state of uh, ego, egotism, their state of focusing on other people's faults and not themselves. But once they were humbled by the fact that they, yes, they can sin too, they can fall into uh, major sins as well, right? That sin brought them to a state of humility. It brought them to a state of, of, of turning to Allah in dua and supplication, turning to Allah. It brought them to a state where their heart was softened enough so that they can start to cry in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That sin was the cause of them coming to Allah. Not because of the sin, but because of the repentance that was, was opened, the door of repentance that was opened after doing that sin. And this is why Ibn Atayullah, he says in another place, in his same, uh, in his uh, aphorisms, he said, It is very possible that a sin that brings about a state of humility and brokenness before God is better than an act of worship that brings about a state of loftiness and, and arrogance. That brings about a state of loftiness and arrogance. It is better for a person to commit a sin and then turn to Allah in broken, hum humbled repentance than for that person to do a good deed and walk around with their, their chest out and their head high thinking they're better than everyone else in the room. Right? Because that sin will bring the person closer to what they were created to do, which is to know that we are in servitude to Allah that we are desperate of God's help and assistance and sustenance and mercy, and that we are always in need of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and that Allah does not need us, whereas the one who is arrogant thinks that they don't need anyone. Right? The second reward that, that is within and repentance is the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the divine contentment of Allah. And the Prophet sallallahu he narrated in this hadith is in Sahih Muslim, uh, and we'll just paraphrase the rest, but the Prophet said, Indeed, Allah is more intensely uh, content or happy by the repentance of any one of his servants that when they turn back to him in repentance, than, any, than one of you would be if they were on a, uh, their riding beast in the middle of the desert, in the middle of a deserted land, and the, the riding beast that had their food, their provision, their shelter, all of it was on that camel, and the camel got lost. The camel ran away. Right? So this person, he's giving this example of this person in comparison to Allah's joy with a person's uh, repentance. So this person is traveling through the desert. He's got his camel. He's got the camel has on its back all of his food, his provision, everything he needs for that journey to get through that desert land, right? So the person, he's heedless for a moment. The camel runs off and he can't catch it, right? So then he loses hope. He becomes despondent. There's no way I'm catch catching this camel. He's gone. It's gone. All my food is gone. All my drink is gone. All my shelter is gone. I'm sitting under the blazing hot sun. And I'm going to die. Right? So this person is absolutely despondent. So what do they do? They go to the nearest tree and they just lay down waiting to die. They lay down in the shade of that tree waiting to die. Right? So the, the prophet says that all of the, this person is laying down next to this tree and he dozes off and then suddenly he opens his eyes and the camel is standing right there. Right? He's alive. He has a chance to live now. He's going to survive. The joy that that person experiences 
right? The Prophet says that because of that joy, he yelled out, Oh Allah, you are my slave and I am your Lord. He made a mistake. The Prophet said, Because he was so intensely happy that he's going to survive, he made a mistake in the statement. He said, Oh Allah, you are my slave and I am your Lord. He meant the other way around. You are my Lord and I am your slave. But he made a mistake because he was just so ecstatically happy. Right? The Prophet said that Allah is more pleased, more intensely joyful at your repent any one of your repentance than that guy is. That Allah's pleasure on that person who could have been the worst of sinners, the most major of sinners, but because they repented to Allah, they have not only erased that sin, but they have reached a state of Allah's contentment that they could never have, have reached before. Right? And this is why Fulayyad bin Ayyad said, Kunna lusus wa sirna khusus. We used to be uh, brigandiers, highway robbers, but then by, because of repentance, we became the elect servants of Allah, the closest of those to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But repentance has conditions. And this was a, a, I was talking once with my father, and he had this issue. He said that I don't believe that somebody can just do all the sins that they want, and they just say, oh, God, forgive me, and then it's all gone. Right? I agree. That's, that's not right. right? That, but condition, the core condition of repentance is sincerity. It has to be real. And Allah knows everything that's in the hearts. He knows when we're faking it. He knows when we are sincere in the fact that we regret we are sincere in our remorse for that action. We're sincere in our resolve never to do it again. We're sincere in our resolve to make up for what we missed out on. Right? So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He says in the Quran to this, to this point, He says, right? Allah says in, in, in the chapter, the Surah Nisa, the chapter of the women, verse 18, there is no repentance for those who commit sins constantly, constantly committing sins, right? All the way until they're just about to die and they say, okay, now I repent. Right? Why, why is it? Right? Because their constant pursuit of their desires and doing all of these sins is a proof that they weren't really sincere. And the fact that death, they waited all the way till death, right now to ask for forgiveness, right? that's a sign that they were not sincere. But Allah says in the, in the verse just before that, that uh, repentance is only for those who sin unintentionally. They didn't try to do it. They didn't want to do it. Right? They may have chose to do it intentionally, but they did not want. They did not seek to do that because they know Allah doesn't like it. And there's a big difference with regards to that. So he says that uh, Allah only accepts the repentance of those who sin unintentionally and then immediately repent. They are the ones whose repentance Allah will accept. And Allah is all-knowing, all-wise. And look how he closes the verse. That Allah is all-knowing, all-wise, which of the two we really are. Are we just saying the words of seek forgiveness, seeking forgiveness with the words, but it's not from our heart? Or are we being truly sincere with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? And this sincere, sincere repentance is what's called in Arabic tawbatin nasuha. In the Quran, Allah says, Oh, you have believed, repent to Allah with sincere repentance. Tawbatin nasuha. And perhaps your Lord will remove all of your misdeeds and admit you into gardens beneath which rivers flow on the day when Allah will not disgrace the Prophet and those who believed with him. 
with the Prophet so many of the scholars, they try to define what is tawbatun nasuha, what is sincere repentance. Uh, and some of the tabi'in and the, the early Muslims, they also tried to do this as well. And they came up, right? one of them said that tawbah nusuha, sincere repentance, is for a person to repent from an evil deed and never return to that sin ever again. They, they repented and they left it behind and they never looked back. They never did it again. Nu'man bin Bashir, Sorry, Anas bin Malik, one of the great companions of the Prophet he said that tawbatun nasuh, sincere repentance, is uh, for a person, for the sin, the sinner, to have flowing tears and a heart that is hurt from that sin. That is, that is, that was jimah uh, uh, is when you throw a spear at someone, someone who's stabbed. They feel that pain in their heart because of that sin. So they, they painfully regret the sin and their tears are showing that. Their tears are flowing. Uh, Hassan al-Basri, another great uh, of the second generation, he says that Tawbah nusuh is the regret of the heart. Nadwun bin Qalb, it's regret in the heart. Wastighfaran bil lisan, and seeking forgiveness with the tongue. Watarkun bil jawarih, and to abandon that sin again with the limbs. Right? And to keep in one's heart the, the resolve to never do it again. Right? So we see commonalities through these definitions. Right? Sa'id bin Jubair, anhu, the great companion of the Prophet, he said that tawbah uh, nusuh, sincere repentance, is an accepted repentance. Right? Uh, and it's not accepted unless there's three conditions. Khawfun alla tuqbal, that you're afraid that it might not be accepted. And that you're hopeful that it does, it is getting, it, it will be accepted. And then to constantly pursue obedience after that. Right? And the list goes on. And these are beautiful definitions. But for the sake of time, we will, uh, we will only mention one more. Uh, Imam al-Junaid, radiallahu anhu, uh, he said that tawbah nusuh, a sincere repentance, is that you forget the sin ever happened. Right. So they don't remember it ever after that point. For what reason is this? That you repent from the sin and you never even think about that sin. As if it never happened. Right. And this is the opposite of someone reliving their sins in their head and saying, mm, yeah, that was great. Oh, I should have did this too. I should have did that. Astaghfirullah al-Azim. Right. Not only is that against remorse, but that in itself could be a sin. Right. To relive a sin. Right, and to enjoy that, that uh, as well. Right, he says that why should one forget their sin after they com, com, uh, fulfilled the repentance? He says because if their repentance was truly sincere, right, then they would be a lover, they would be beloved to God, and they would love God. And whoever loves God forgets all other. Forgets all other. Allahu Akbar. أقول قولي هذا وأستغفر الله لي ولكم ولسائر المسلمين فاستغفروه إنه هو الغفور الرحيم الحمد لله الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وأصحابه ومن تبعهم بإحسان إلى يوم الدين وعلينا معهم وفيهم برحمتك يا أرحم الراحمين أشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وأشهد أن سيدنا وحبيبنا محمد عبده رسوله 
يا عباد الله إني أسيكم ونفسي بتقوى الله أما بعد we, know, we talked about that the core condition of repentance is true sincerity, is to be real. And sometimes we have to reflect inwardly to see, are we being real or are we not? And we have to be critical of our own selves, critical of the state of our hearts, critical of our own intentions. Right? And this is why Allah SWT says, insanu ala nafsihi basira, walaw The human being is well aware of their own selves even if they give out lots of uh, excuses, even if the tongue is saying this excuse or justifying this action or ex have this excuse or that excuse, right? we know very well when we're being true to ourselves, when we're being real, when we're being 100, right? when we're being sincere and when we're not. So the, the conditions uh, in order for, right, with besides sincerity, the other conditions Right, are as Imam al-Ghazali defined a result of true remorse. He said, uh, the first condition is the remorse itself, to regret, to re have remorse for doing that sin. And that, that is the pain that is experienced in the heart for knowing that that sin was a means of causing us to miss out on a, a closer connection with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Remorse for the sin is the first. The second is to desist from that sin immediately. Immediately, if it's some habit that one has, or some addiction that one has, right, to leave it immediately, to drop it, right? Or if it's something that is difficult to leave in a, in a moment's instance, right, then one should immediately take the means to start leaving, to start getting rid of it out of their life, right? But true, since super, the, the real remorse. The absolute remorse that is based on absolute certainty will allow a person to, to quit all of these things, cold turkey, as they say. Right? So desisting from that sin immediately, and then the third is to resolve never to return to that sin ever again. Now this is in regards to the violations are, that we commit, the disobedience that we commit with regards to the rights of Allah. With regards to the rights of Allah. And the basis is that in our sins that have to do with the rights of Allah, the basis is on the Day of Judgment that Allah is the most merciful. But when it comes to our sins that we commit that violate the rights of human beings, of other creation, right, of other people's property, other people's wealth, other people's honor, right, then those sins on the basis on the, on the Day of Judgment will be uh, taken to task. There will be retribution that one will have to, to solve that problem, to make up for that violation with the other person. One is at the mercy of that person that they wronged. And this is why the Prophet warned us about the person who comes on the Day of Judgment with many good deeds. And they lose those good deeds because they had to use them to pay back the people who they violated. Right? And, Allah, and the Prophet calls him the muflis, the bankrupt person on the Day of Judgment. May Allah save us from that. So the basis of sins that have to do with other people right, is that you have, to, you have to right that wrong in this world before the Day of Judgment because it's not just Allah's mercy that you're hoping for. It is that person who has to forgive on a day when no one will care about anyone except for themselves. Right? So if it has to do with the violation of someone else's rights, right, then there's an extra condition, the fourth condition, which is to rectify that wrong. Right? If it had to do with their honor, you backbited them, you spoke ill of them behind their back, right? then you have to go and ask them for their forgiveness. If you took someone's money, 
and you have that money still, you still have that actual money, you have to give that money back. If you don't have that money anymore, you have to give the value of it back. If it's stolen an item, right, someone stole, for instance, right, uh, some uh, object that, out of another person, and they, that object was broken or lost, or they don't have it anymore, right? they have to d discern how much was that worth and give it back to that person. Right, and and right, this, this applies to all of the sins of, uh, that have to do with people's rights, right? killing people, right? stealing from people. All of these things are haram, absolutely forbidden in our deen. And one's, uh, as a part of condition of one's, uh, one's repentance for those things, that they have to make up for them to that person. Now, there's one thing that we want to advise, which is one of the dangerous things. Uh, of our, uh, that we need to be wary of is called al-israr al-ma'asi to be persistent in sin right? and even persistence on minor sins becomes major sin becomes major sin and in that verse that we quoted earlier right, Allah says and Allah loves those uh, people of ihsan the people of excellence who when they do a shameful act or they wrong themselves, they remember Allah and they seek forgiveness for their sins. And who can forgive except Allah? Who can forgive sins except Allah? How does the law end the verse? And they do not persist in doing that sin knowingly. They do not persist in doing that sin knowingly. For them, they have the reward of forgiveness from their Lord and paradise as Allah closes the verse. So persistently committing a sin is very dangerous because it becomes almost impossible, not impossible, but very difficult for a person to attain remorse for something that they do all of the time. And this is and one of the, the more dangerous aspects of this persistence is that it ruins the fragility of the, the spiritual heart. The prophet said that if your good deeds make you feel good and your bad deeds make you feel bad, right, then you are a true believer. If your heart is sensitive to the, to the actions that you do, when you commit a sin, it hurts. That is a good sign. And you want to preserve that sign. And, and by persisting on a sin constantly, then that feeling starts to go away. Whereas a person could have looked at something they shouldn't have looked at, and immediately they would feel it. And immediately they would be remorseful. And immediately they would repent. But after looking and looking and looking and looking, now they don't even flinch. It doesn't affect their heart at all. And that is a sign that the heart is dying. And that the heart is becoming hardened, as the Prophet said in that other hadith, the darkness is overcoming the heart. This is very dangerous. And Imam al-Haddad, one of the great poets of the Yemeni uh, Hadrami tradition, great scholar as well, he said, وَمَنْ أَكْثَرَ الْعِسْيَانِ مِنْ غَيْرِ تَوْبَةٍ فَذَكَ طَرِيحٌ فِي فَيَافٍ غَوَايَتِهِ بَعِيدٌ مِنْ خَيْرَاتِ حَلَّ بِهِ الْبَلَاءِ he says that whoever is abundantly disobeying Allah without making tawbah, without repenting, right, then that is the person who is cast away in the, the far desert lands of, of, of uh, uh, astray, of misguidance. Right? They are far from all goods, all things that are good, worldly things, right? religious, spiritual states of goodness, family, goodness in their family, goodness in their household, goodness in their wealth, and their, and their blessings that they receive in their sustenance, goodness in the day of judgment, goodness in the grave, right? They are ba'id, they are far from all of those things because of that sin, right? And tribulations become to take, take them over. 
uh, tribulations start to come upon them one after another after another. So uh, suddenly there, the, there's arguments at home. The children are not are, are hanging out with the wrong people. They don't want to be home anymore. Right? The children have left the house. If the husband and wife are fighting, right? The the fine at work, right? Things are going wrong. The money is just not meeting all the needs that we have to do. Where is all this from? Right? It is from the sins that we've committed and we haven't repented from. Right? And divine forsakenness has taken them from every direction. It is the opposite of tawfiq. Right, that if a person repents to Allah, Allah will facilitate for them all of the goods of this world and the next. Right, because of that. And this is why the scholars, they said, There is no such thing as major sins if you continue to seek forgiveness. If you continue to seek forgiveness, your major sins are, 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 are no question. They're gone. Allah will forgive them. But there is an, an opposite of that. There is no such thing as a minor sin if you continue to do it, because then it becomes major, right? and it hurts the heart. Right? But if a person fulfills these conditions, they have that remorse. They, they desist from that sin. They resolve never to do it again. They went back and they made up for whatever they had to do, if it had to do with prayers that were missed, fasts that were missed, the money that they stole. They gave it back. They did everything. They asked for forgiveness. Right? Then Imam al-Ghazali says that that person should never have any doubt that their tawbah, that their repentance was accepted. And just like a person who is thirsty and took a sip of water should have no doubt that their thirst will be quenched. Right? The same way that does the person who completes these conditions, right, that your tawbah is accepted. Allah has promised that if you repent to him, he will answer. And every single night, the Prophet says that Allah calls out, is there anyone in the last third of the night before the dawn prayer comes in, is there anyone to ask for forgiveness? I will forgive them. Is there anyone to repent? I will, I will accept their repentance. And lastly, we would just want to cut, uh, touch on how do you make repentance? How do you make repentance? Right? Technically, one could sit in this very spot right now, during this talk right now, and have already, have already fulfilled all of the conditions of repentance without moving a single muscle, without saying a single word. Why? Because true repentance is all of those qualities are in the heart. Right? True remorse, the intention to, to stop that sin, the resolve never to come back to it. Right? If that was the state of your heart at this moment, then your sins are gone. Your sins are gone. So true repentance doesn't need a method. It doesn't need an action. It doesn't need for you to say a certain prayer or for you to go to a certain person and ask them to ask Allah to forgive you. No, we don't have that. Right? You are, your relationship with Allah is a personal relationship, an intimate relationship. You don't need a, a, a middleman to get to your Lord. Subhanahu wa ta'ala, if you have the remorse in your heart, your sins are forgiven. Right? If there's a con the fourth condition needs to applies, then you have to take that, that step. But technically, there is no method to Tawbah. But the scholars have taught certain things to do to allow the heart to build that quality of remorse. That if we don't feel the remorse right away, what do we do? Right? There's a way to build that remorse. And one of them is to say the phrase, Astaghfirullah, 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 Oh Allah, I seek your forgiveness. Oh Allah, I seek your forgiveness. And the Prophet he said that Man lazim al istighfar, whoever adheres to seeking forgiveness constantly, then Allah will make for them a way out of every difficulty and take care of all of their worries in this world and the next. Right? The second thing that we can do 
Right? After saying istighfar as much as we can, seeking forgiveness uh, by our tongue, uh, is to reflect on the severity of those sins. How much have we lost out? Right? And it's not even that uh, the sin itself is a losing out, that it's double losing out, because in the place of that sin, one could have used that time for a good deed, and not only have not gone backwards, but have advanced forward to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Right, to reflect on the sins, uh, the, the, the harms of our sins. To reflect on the verses where the Prophet uh, ﷺ warned us of the, the consequences of sins in the next life. Or the verses of the Qur'an that talk about the punishments or the, 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 that have to do with these sins. Right, the punishment of arrogance. The pun right, right, what a terrible place it is, which, hellfire, meaning for those who are arrogant. Right, so reflecting on the on these consequences from the Quran, right, as right, and then the prayer of Toba. Now, technically, Toba can be done without a prayer, but Sayyidina Abu Bakr, radhiAllahu anhu, one of the greatest of the Prophet's companions, he said, "I heard from the Messenger of Allah say that there is no person who commits a sin and then performs the ablution, the washing up before the prayer, and does so well." Right? And then prays two uh, units of prayer, two raka'at of prayer, and then asks Allah for forgiveness, except that Allah will definitely forgive them. Right? So this is one of the, the greatest means of seeking, of adding to our tawbah, that if we've fallen short, we have that remorse, add to it this prayer. Go and make a new wudu, even if you have it already. Right? Go and make a new wudu and do it with absolute presence of heart in the wudu. And then go to the prayer. And pray the prayer as, uh, with as much presence of heart and reverence as you can. Right? And then after that, raise your hands and ask Allah to forgive you. And then walk away with absolute certainty that he has. Subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then lastly, there are many dua uh, supplications in the Qur'an where we are taught how to, make to, uh, how to ask Allah for forgiveness. And one of them is the dua of Adam, the, the first prophet, Adam alayhi salam. And many of the scholars, they mentioned that the, the message of Adam was to teach us how to repent. The message of Adam was teaching us how to repent. That was his mission. That was his message to the creation, to the human beings. And his dua in the Quran is, recreated, is recorded after having eaten from the tree, which was considered a slip-up and not a sin, according to the scholars of theology, right? that, he, that he did not do that intentionally. And there's many other reasons why it's not considered a legal sin, right? Or that it's before prophethood or otherwise. But he says, oh, our Lord, we have wronged ourselves. Rabbana zalamna anfusana. We have wronged ourselves. And if you don't forgive us and have mercy on us, then we will be of the losers. We will be of those who are lost or in loss. And the companions, and we'll close with this final narration, the companions were sitting with the Prophet Muhammad in a gathering. And this is a common occurrence. And, it, and he's dealing with them, he's talking with them, he's interacting with them, he's telling them stories, he's listening to them. Right? But under his breath, in between his statements, he was, the, the companions, they said that we heard him saying under his breath, in one gathering over 70 times, just constantly repeating it. And what does it mean? He says, oh my Lord, forgive me and, have, and, and accept my repentance. Indeed, you are the oft, oft accepting 
of repentance and the most merciful. And he kept saying it and saying it and saying it. This was a constant state of the Prophet. He said, ask Allah for forgiveness because I ask him for forgiveness over a hundred times a day. And the scholars, they mentioned that the forgiveness of the Prophets, the seeking of forgiveness of the Prophets was different than our seeking of forgiveness. That their seeking of forgiveness was not because of a sin. It was because they are constantly moving up in gnosis and knowledge of God and closeness with God that they were remorseful for the, for the, the knowledge they had the day before. That it was, I didn't know you the way I know you today. And they were remorseful for that, so they asked for forgiveness. And this is why the four levels of forg seeking forgiveness, one is to seek forgiveness from disbelieving in Allah or believing in Allah in a, in a way that he did, that, that is not true about him, subhanahu wa ta'ala, or disbelieving in any of his prophets, or, or, or rejecting any of the, 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 the revelation that he has sent, subhanahu wa ta'ala, to, to ask forgiveness from disobedience, and that is by accepting Islam. Right? And the second is to, ask, to seek forgiveness from major sins, and the third is to seek forgiveness from doubtful matters, and then the highest is to seek forgiveness for any moments of heedlessness. Any moment where the heart was focused on something other than the Creator, subhanahu wa ta'ala. Wa qulu quli hadha wa astaghfirullaha li wa lakum wa li sa'irin muslimin fa astaghfiruhu innahu wa lakum rahim inna allaha wa malaikatahu yusalluna ala nabi ya ayyuhal ladhina amanu sallu alayhi wa sallimu taslima Allahumma salli wa sallim ala Sayyidina Muhammadin wa ala Ali Sayyidina Muhammad kama sallayta ala Sayyidina Ibrahim wa ala Ali Sayyidina Ibrahim innaka hamidun majid Allahumma barak ala Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala Ali Sayyidina Muhammad kama barakta ala Sayyidina Ibrahim wa ala Ali Sayyidina Ibrahim innaka hamidun majid wa radiyallahu ta'ala an sadatina al-khulafai al-rashidin Abi Bakr wa Umar wa Uthman wa Ali وعلى جميع ساداتنا الصحابة الكرام وأهل بيت رسول الله المطهرين من الأرجاس وعلينا معهم وفيهم برحمتك يا أرحم الراحمين يا أرحم الراحمين يا أرحم الراحمين اللهم اغفر للمؤمنين والمؤمنات والمسلمين والمسلمات الأحياء منهم والأموات O oh Allah, we ask you to make us of those who are often repenting to you, subhanahu wa ta'ala, and, and to distance us, we ask you, subhanahu wa ta'ala, to distance us from our sins just as you have distanced shaitan from your mercy. And we ask Allah to forgive our major sins and our minor sins, our public sins and our private sins, those that we know of and those that we are ignorant of. May Allah change all of our, all our sins into good deeds and accept us and draw us nearer to him and to remove all of the obstacles that are stopping us from knowing him and coming closer to him. Subhanahu wa ta'ala, inna Allah ya'muru bil adli wal ihsani wa ita'i dhin qurba wa yanha anil fahshai wal munkar wal baghi ya'idhukum la'allakum tathakkurun udhkuru Allah al-azima yadhkurkum wa shkuruhu ala ni'amihi yazidkum wa la dhikru Allahi akbar wallahu ya'lamu ma tasna'un naqim as-salah